Investing and Relationships. Welcome to this fifth installment in our six-part series on investing. Today, we'll be focusing on investing and relationships. The first four parts have covered having an investor's perspective, how to develop a sound investment strategy, and some of my key investment experiences. If you haven't listened to or read them yet, I encourage you to start with the first four and then return here. I've learned many lessons in my years of investing, the majority of which has come through personal experience and opportunities. I have also learned essential lessons concerning relationships with investing, especially when discussing close relationships. I would like to share with you some areas you may want to consider when it comes to relationships and investing. Number one, defining your relationship with your investment manager. Based on how much time you have for investments and your current expertise level, you may find it beneficial to have a professional who can oversee and manage your investments instead of directly investing yourself. If you decide to hire an investing manager, ensure you do extensive due diligence. Due diligence will include reviewing their history and track record, finding those who have outperformed benchmarks, and monitoring them against other managers you use. Personally, I have three investment managers. This is mainly so that my portfolio remains diversified. I have learned a lot from all three, and they each offer different perspectives on the market. I meet with them annually and hear about their investment worldview and learn about new strategies and goals. When selecting professional investment managers for my liquid assets, I ensure we provide the overall return we are striving for and the risk level we are comfortable with. We then let the manager construct, maintain, and report the performance based on a mutually agreed-to benchmark. Benchmarks are a useful tool to compare how the market compares to your portfolio performance. You can come up with your own internal benchmark for each investment or compare the investment to benchmarks in the field. From there, my team holds them accountable. It's important not to micromanage them and allow them to make all the decisions. It wouldn't be fair to them if we made the decisions and then held them accountable. We also have quarterly touch points, which focus on deviations of performance. I would also strongly encourage you look at your manager's performance once a year. Be aware of what fees you are paying, directly and indirectly. I have a report that summarizes all the assets each manager runs and compare their performance with other managers. Don't be afraid to change managers if they change their strategy too often or if the manager is going through an organizational change. Find the right experts and let them do the job for you. If I don't like their performance over time, I replace them. When you get to the point where your investments have grown and there is need to look at reports monthly, consider hiring someone who can perform this work for you and knows the details of each investment intimately. No matter what, I recommend you personally do a quarterly review of your investment portfolio. Number two, investing with friends and family. From experience, I don't recommend doing investments with friends. Generally, if you bring an investment to friends and it does well, everything is okay. However, if it doesn't go well, your friendship can be hurt. With friends, the downside far outweigh the upsides. The rare times I have shared an opportunity and gone into a deal with friends, I always make sure to invest more than them. If it goes down, I'm going to lose more than they will, and we are all aware of that. When you invest with friends, it's important to recognize you're not only risking your money, you are also risking your relationship. Some friendships can handle it while others can't. Number three, lending to family and friends. When it comes to lending to family, my general rule of thumb is not to expect to be paid back. Go into it with that mindset. 
and only loan what you are comfortable not receiving back. It helps protect the relationship. There are some situations with lending to friends where I will make a loan and expect to be paid back. In those cases, I always document our agreement in writing for both parties to read and agree to. I will rarely do a deal on a handshake. It may be a solid relationship, but I've learned that putting it in writing protects the relationship. I tend to think I will remember the details, but over time, perspectives change, and I don't remember things as clearly. But when it's in writing, you can refer back to it without any confusion. Always obtain collateral for a loan you are making, especially to friends. Every time I have made a loan to a friend where there is collateral, preferably real estate, the loan has been repaid, and there has been a positive outcome. I generally will not take someone's home as collateral, but other investment real estate instead. When there is no collateral, the repayment has been less assured, and when a friend defaults on your loan, it almost always damages your relationship. Protect the relationship and require collateral. I always include a default interest rate provision where the interest rate rises measurably under a default situation. Although I don't always collect a default interest rate, it is a motivator for the borrower to fulfill the obligations they have agreed to. A point to note, if you put in writing, be prepared to stick with it. Sometimes with family, friends, and business relationships, you have to take the hard position because it's what's best for everyone involved. Number four, teaching children about investing. When our children were young teenagers, I began to introduce them to the concept of investing. Occasionally, I would bring home a one-page summary of a few of my investments and would give them space to ask questions, learn about them, and decide which ones they wanted to invest their own money in. Initially, they would invest between $100 to $500. Twice a year, we would review their investments and talk about new opportunities. As teens, they easily each made over 20 investments. I would keep track of each investment in a ledger, and whatever return I received from the investment, they received the same return. They learned a lot through this process making, and even losing money. A note on taxes on our children's investments. Considering that the children are not directly linked to my investments and their investment only shows up on an in-house ledger, there are no direct income or capital gains consequences for their investments. All K-1 forms appear in my name, and I pay all income and capital gains tax. Therefore, when an investment pays off, I reduce the amount of their return capital and gain by the combined state and federal capital gains tax rate. The children pay their share of the capital gains tax based on the amount of gain they personally benefited from, and I am reimbursed the approximate amount of capital gains tax I paid on their behalf. This nets everything out to zero in the most fair and simplest way possible. Teaching them was a rewarding experience and a great way to connect with them on something. When they each graduated from college, my wife Kathy and I gifted them a larger amount to add to their investment portfolio. Over the next few years, they began to make meaningful investments and their portfolios sizably grew. We did this to increase the stakes and keep them focused on growing their investment portfolio. There are many things about investing I have had to learn the hard way. Teaching our children about the investment world with smaller investments allows for lessons to be learned in a way that isn't too expensive. Each of them has made at least one investment that went bad, and they lost their entire investment. These are lessons they will never forget and details they will pay attention to as they make their own investments as adults. Start early teaching them these important strategies. Here's a few action points that you can take away from our podcast today. Relationships are important and should be protected. The strategies shared have allowed me to continue having close relationships even in the world of investing.
From the steps listed above, identify any areas you need to revisit and redefine. It may require a conversation or it could be a point of growth for you. Keep these tools in mind as you move forward in your investments. If you have any questions or comments, please share them in the comments section. Thanks for listening. One of our values is good information is shared with a friend. Please take the time to think of your friends, men or women, who might benefit from this blog. You can introduce the blog to them by sharing the post using the various sharing links or by sharing the podcast by clicking the share link on the top left corner of the audio link. As you begin to follow my blog and pursue opportunity for growth, it is helpful to do an assessment on various topics of life. If you haven't already, I encourage you to click on the link and take the current life conditions assessment. I believe it would be helpful to take this assessment annually and revisit how you are growing in life.